This is the Drive-In Podcast, episode 18, take one. Welcome to the 18th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Today we will be starting with the checkup, as always, with Dr. O, chatting about the latest news in the movie industry. We have a review of Pixar's latest movie, Soul. And we also have a special guest for our top billing this week of the best Pixar movie characters. So use the restrooms now, grab your popcorn, and get ready for the 18th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 18 of the Drive-In Podcast. Before we get started, just a quick reminder to please follow us on all our social media platforms. We are at the Drive-In Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, the Drive-In on Facebook and YouTube, and please check out our blog on a daily basis on thedriveinpod.com. So to get started, how's everybody doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, do we have any New Year's resolutions about anything? Watch more movies. Always. Keep pumping them out, baby. Personally, my, my New Year's resolution, I, I've, I'm going to double my blogs. I hit 257 last year, and that's like under restrictions, under my job. I, I plan on doubling that bad boy. I plan on getting up to 500 no problem. We're talking reviews on a weekly basis. Quarantine trials are hitting the 50 marker. Right now we're at about 9 or 10. We're hitting 50, okay? We're going to be buzzing all over the place. We got a new blogger joining us with the gift god, okay? Me and him combined, we, we could go for maybe 1,000. The gift god. The gift god, right? Hopefully I love it. May, maybe he'll make an appearance sometime. Who knows? I love it. I love the spirit, Dr. O. I love the tenacity coming from that direction right now. Very excited about that. Uh, just to build on top of that, when it comes to um, goals for the podcast and New Year's resolutions, uh, I think one that we can all attest to, you know, at the drive-in pod, we're trying to bring the movie theaters back. We're trying to keep them cool, trying to make them cool again, right? So maybe a goal for us this year is we're going to start bringing the movie theaters back to their feet. When COVID-19, when all these restrictions end, we're going to be going movie theater to movie theater. We're going to be conducting movie theater reviews. We're going to be uh, doing live interviews outside of the hottest movies like Tenant coming out this year. Uh, not Tenant, excuse me, Dune. <laughs> um, but yeah, but we're, gonna our, we're, we're going to be doing our part on get, getting these movie theaters back on their feet. You, you just wait. 2021, we're bringing movie theaters back. We are going to go on the same trajectory as the comeback of the movie theater. We are both on a, a rocket ship to the moon that cannot be stopped. Right? I wouldn't. I, is, I, I don't, or or yeah, it could go. I, I don't want to be looped in with that. Yeah, I don't want to be tied to them, <laughs> to be honest. It could end up like the Challenger. We're going to try our platform, huh? It could end up like the Challenger. Yes, let, yes let's, let, we are going to be the Quibi of podcasts. How about that? <laughs> no? Oh, shoot. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, babe. 
All right. Well, you know what? Let's get this thing started. Let's get this show on the road. It's time for our favorite segment, The Checkup with Dr. O. Dr. O, check us up. All right. Let's check the audiences up. So massive news dropping today, boys. Michael Keaton is confirmed to replace Ben Affleck as Batman in the DCEU. Keaton's version of the character will be set on what is called Earth One. Earth One is where characters such as Wonder Woman and Aquaman reside. Robert Pattinson's Batman is on what they call Earth 2. So Affleck is out. Keaton is in. What do we think, Nez? I'm a little bit confused. There's Earth 1, Earth 2. Pattinson is, so Pattinson's on Earth 2. Affleck mm-hmm. is out but on Earth 1. And Keaton is also on Earth 1. Yes. But at the same time, was Keaton then on a different Earth when he was Batman previously? There's a lot of Earths <laughs> to be working with here. We're, we, got, we got a lot of different Earths that we're working with. I'm a little confused. Uh, but Keaton is going to be in the same universe, essentially, where Wonder Woman, like basically the DCEU that, that we know and love. Mm-hmm. And yep. Robert, Robert Pattinson is basically on a different one, um, which is almost like a cop-out, but kind of a very smart way of disassociating them from all those terrible movies. Um, so if anything, you know, this gives me confidence for the Robert Pattinson Batman that already looks very good. It looks very good. I'm very excited for it. The trailer came out earlier uh, earlier in 2020. I almost said earlier this year. It's 2021 now. Um, so I'm I'm very excited for Robert Pattinson, considering that's not going to be associated with that with the DCEU or or you know at least the uh, the Justice League franchise that they have going on right now. Uh, as for Keaton, uh, I would say I'm more. Uh, interested or just just you know kind of puzzled as to what they're going to do with him in this uh in this universe here um bringing back an old old batman uh, or an old version of the batman character it's something that i don't recall ever seeing i think the closest thing we really had is like uh batman three I mean, I'm sorry, the Dark Knight, the third one, the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, or, or even uh, just or Affleck the most, himself. Yeah, or, or Affleck or <laughs> Batfleck. That's like that's another version of the of the of a very old Batman. So this is gonna be even older, one that we really haven't seen before. So um I'm definitely intrigued. I think it's it should be uh, an interesting story to tell. We'll see if they mess it up. <laughs> I think you <it> <laughs> See if they mess it up. I think it could be interesting. I I picture a Batman Beyond sort of in uh, intrigue here from DC as that uh, Michael Keaton would be more of a mentor to a, maybe a future Batman. And that only problem with that theory is that going along with what you said in the beginning is that how many Batmans are we going to get? We already have, we already have a Ben Affleck and we have a Michael Keaton one two Bruce Wayne's that don't seem uh, like interconnected. Hopefully flashpoint will help with that and hopefully just bring different universes together on earth one. But again, Robert Pattinson confirmed to be on a different earth, completely different society i'm looking forward to that obviously more uh obviously a lot more but it's going to be interesting to see if they ever intertwine in the future i mean i find the keaton move i think nez put it perfectly like it's interesting it's intriguing but at the same time am i a fan of it no i'm not a fan of it okay so you have affleck who's supposed to be running around alongside Superman, Henry Cavill, and then Wonder Woman's uh, played by Gal Gadot, and all of a sudden you're going to implant, uh, you're going to just plant a 70 year old Bruce Wayne to be the future Batman for the DCEU, and then he's just going to be like the man in the chair for the Justice League. I am not okay with that. I am not okay with Batman sitting in a chair as an old bag 
while he watches Henry Cavill kick ass, while he watches Wonder Woman kick ass. Like, like this is like DC kind of trying to sh- like shake things up because everything they've done is a failure in the DCEU so far for the most part. So it's like you're bringing an, uh, an iconic figure back to the Batman role, right? One that is like universally beloved, I would say. Everyone loves Michael Keaton as Batman, I would say, almost yeah. as much as people love Christian Bale as Batman, almost on the same level. So it's like it's a win in terms of nostalgia, bringing that character back and then trying to like get get rid of all these like failures they've had, these like all the hate that the DCU is getting. Let's bring in Michael Keaton. But at the same time, now you're like, OK, so Batman's not going to be fighting alongside these heroes. Batman Beyond, we're going to bring him in possibly. But at the same time, Batman Beyond's a futuristic character. He's not supposed to be fighting alongside Wonder Woman. He's not supposed to be fighting alongside Superman. So it's just like this idea that uh, Flicks brought up last episode, of DC rushing things. Let's just bring Batman Beyond to the fold. They want to see the story. Get it in really fast. Let's do it. Let's do it. I think it's going to be a massive failure, right? But they're just leaning on the nostalgia here, I guess. Yeah, that sounds about right, leaning on nostalgia. DC's kind of been trying to rely on that now with Justice League, Batman versus Superman, and now this. But Michael Keaton, he's been only thrown out here as the past decade, right? He's been Birdman, recently, just last year, Trial of Chicago 7. He's only been in good movies recently, Spider-Man. It's just, I feel like him being attached to it, it has to have like his seal of approval as well. As he's getting, obviously, up there in age, obviously playing an older Batman. His seal of approval, I think, means a lot, especially right now. And maybe it's exciting good things to come being a little optimistic dr l and nez yeah i know i i, I don't hate the move to put uh, like uh keaton in there maybe for an eventual batman beyond movie but when you have like these iterations of superman and wonder woman in a universe then you have a 70 year old batman it just like you don't have those characters interacting the way that the fans want to see and that uh, it gets me a little frustrated so i don't I, want to see bruce wayne as nick fury i want to see him as like the their uh, what the mcu's version of iron man i want to see that um and i guess we but are they tried that, that with our, our they tried yes, that and failed. It wasn't, are they just like, going to retry it again so I'm, soon no but i would have just recast affleck i would have just recast him i don't think recasting is the problem though but i no, think we can all agree I, so, on that no, I'm saying like we can have Pattinson, like he's fighting crime. That's awesome, but he's not. But if you're going to have Justice League, you're going to have these movies. You're not going to have Batman in the Justice League. I know. It's crazy. You know he's the leader of the Justice League. And he's still he's going like, to be yeah, the leader, just not a part of like the action. He's going to be the man in the chair. It's like what the, right. it's like Ned Leeds joking in Spider-Man Homecoming. I'll be your guy in the chair. I'll be your guy in the chair. That's what Batman is for Superman. That's not how this works. I'm with you. I'm just trying to jabbing at each other. Trying to be an optimist here. But luckily, as Nez said, we have that separation. We have that Pattinson in his own universe. Let him do his thing. Let's not have Mm -hmm. him shaking down bad guys while Soups is like trying to save a cat in a tree. Let him do his thing. (laughs) But also we can have like these other characters from the Batman universe now being introduced, possibly the DCEU. How about we get some Robin in there? How about we get some Nightwing, Batgirl? So in that, in terms of that, that's fan service, right? Fan service. Yeah. We're all okay. about the fan service, or at least the DC is. What's next? What do you got next, Dr. O? Next up, we have another iconic franchise to address. Michael B. Jordan uh, will direct and star in Creed 3. This news comes from a Tessa Thompson MTV News interview. Ricky Flicks, what do you think of the idea of Michael B. Jordan stepping behind the camera? It's always interesting to see a well-known actor or just someone that's always been known as an actor, 
step behind the chair in, in a director's role or in a writer's role or even a producer role. We've seen Bradley Cooper recently have a, a profound impact as a producer role and many other actors as well. And obviously Sylvester Stallone with this franchise uh, by writing and creating the story behind Rocky has been influential in many other areas as well, not just the Rocky franchise in Hollywood. But it's interesting to see Michael B. Jordan getting his start in the director's chair. I personally would have loved to see Ryan Coogler, who directed the first Creed, come back and also wrote it with Sylvester Stallone, come back for Creed 3 rather than this. But I still have optimism around this one as well, similar to Michael Keaton as the new Batman, as these th- the uh, actors going behind the chair has recently been a success. And I'm looking forward to Creed 3. Creed 2 was kind of a letdown. But new director, always more optimism for me as they recognize their failures and trying to improve that upon that. What do you think, Ness? Um, I, I'm excited for Michael B. Jordan. I'm excited for him in his career. Obviously I prefer Ryan Coogler as a director because I mean, he, he's very established and Michael B. Jordan hasn't directed a, a single film yet. Uh, I'm also, you know, a little wary because I did not like Creed two either. I think I did find a little disappointing flicks. I agree with you. Um, so, you know, who knows if they, do they have a script for this already? I mean, I, I have no idea. Uh, not that I know of. I yeah, didn't see that I in the report. Know. I just heard. Okay. So, so maybe they'll, they'll put together a better script for this one, but the last one I really didn't, I didn't enjoy. Uh, mm-hmm. The only cool thing about that movie, in my opinion, was the fact that Michael B. Jordan actually got knocked out on set. And that was like a behind <laughs> the scenes thing. That wasn't even actually about, uh, about the movie. Like, that's crazy. That's like serious method acting. You actually got knocked out making a boxing <laughs> mm-hmm. movie. Like um, that's nuts. However, um, you know, the first, the first Creed, I thoroughly enjoyed. That movie was insane. Like I love that. That was awesome. That Best action like, sequence out of my... in a boxing movie ever. I think. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. That Wait, had me like, getting out of my my chair. I'm like beating my chest. Like when they're all like riding through, and they have uh-huh. like the ATV and the bikes and stuff, and they're doing little circles. That was sick. Incredible yeah. take on like the hot uh, on the uh, the Rocky. Um, you know. Yeah. Uh, training. No, I'm with you. Seen in every one of the Rocky movies. Um, the one in the last one was was pretty interesting where they're like in the middle of the desert and he's doing yeah. all these like unconventional workouts, yeah. but does not, still, does I, not. That was my favorite scene in the movie. Well, obviously, well, that's always dude. my favorite scene. <laughs> yeah. The movie is the training montage. It makes you want yeah, to yeah. Rocky, man. Right. Dude, yeah. chasing so, chickens or lifting I, heavy weight. That's not actually yeah. weights. I, so, yes, I, but like the fact that like, uh, first of all, you know, going – to that idea of him getting knocked out. He's going to go all in for this role. He's going to go all in as director. He's going to want to make Asked his it. debut mm-hmm. big time. Yeah. And then after the disappointment of Creed 2, which really critically, if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, it wasn't seen like seen the way we're seeing it, where it was like a, a letdown compared to the first one. It was maybe a slight, like a slight like letdown, but it wasn't really? this uh, heavy disappointment. Yeah. I think it's got like an 84% of Rotten Tomatoes. Really? So, when we're yeah, so um, mm. when we I think it's actually like spot on. You can double check me on that one. I'm double checking but, right now because that's crazy. Uh, but I think what this one needs to do is kind of stray away from the connection to Rocky. Okay, maybe obviously you're gonna have Rocky in the movie, but maybe not have that uh, Drago connection. Maybe not have that Clubberland connection. Let's let Creed go on his own journey here. Let's not make it like to the exact same parallel to the rocky franchise similar to how like star wars with the force awakens almost copied like the same formula i know our guest today uh uh nez's brother uh dan jimenez 
mentioned that these movies are pretty formulaic. Like they're almost copying, right? What the original franchise did. Okay. Mm -hmm. You have the same setting, but then you're going through the same story. Then you're bringing in Drago again. And then like literally the first one, the first one, Rocky loses to Apollo Creed. First one, uh, Creed, Adonis Creed loses to uh, that whatever challenger, the, the, not the challenger, the heavyweight champion. Then he goes mm-hmm. on and wins his next fight. Right. It's just, mm-hmm. it does follow the same, re- it's a little re- repetitive. Let's see something different. And that's why I think Michael, uh, Michael B. Jordan could bring to the franchise. You yeah. almost said Michael Keaton there. I saw that. Michael B. Keaton. <laughs> My, uh, Michael oh, Keaton Jordan. It has an 83 in Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> certified fresh, by the way. So Ooh, you're very off, by 1%. off by 1%. Off by 1%. Off by 1%. No, but I think they could go in a different direction. You know, he has, he's going to have a kid in this third one. Tessa Thompson's hearing is going to go down. Maybe they m- make her literally deaf, and that could be a, a big uh, storyline, like the main storyline outside of the actual boxing. So they could make it a little different. Obviously, so a uh, deaf uh, wife is a lot different than the original Rocky franchise or the beginning Rocky of the Rocky franchise. So I think they can add elements that are different and different storylines to make it u- more unique and less and more different. Right. And I know we talked off camera a little bit about this, but uh, the fact that we're going to have the star of a Rocky uh, film now directing the film that has not really bode well for the franchise in previous iterations. Uh, we, we know the first Rocky is an all time classic that has ultimate cinematic feel, ultimate underdog story. And then we have like Rockies two through six, right? Two through Rocky Balboa that are that have uh, Sylvester Stallone at the helm and they've turned into like these blockbuster movies that all only have like that popcorn type of feel rather than that cinematic feel. So I'm afraid that might happen again. Right. It's like, uh, like hopefully that like Michael B. Jordan doesn't feel that like a franchise pressure. And then he doesn't like uh, try and just, as I said, keep up with that same formula that knows that he knows will work. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. All right, what do you got next Moving first, on. Doc? So, uh, our third item here, the Suicide Squad. More DC news. Uh, the Suicide Squad will be rated R according to director James Gunn. The movie is set to release August 6, 2021. Does this make you more excited for the DC film, Ness? <sighs> to quote the worst Avenger, Hawkeye, <laughs> I would say, don't do it. Don't give me hope. Don't give me hope for this franchise again because after I was so excited for that first Suicide Squad movie, for that insanely good trailer that they put out, I think we discussed it last week as well. Uh, It was ultimately a disappointment. And now here they are again. Suicide Suicide Squad 2, directed by a very established director in James Gunn, now getting an R rating, which is very interesting. It's very intriguing. I don't think I've seen a bad I don't think I've seen a bad superhero movie with an R rating yet. Deadpool like all the Deadpools Logan, have they put out a bad super R-rated superhero Joker. movie yet? Joker? Joker's a good one. Every single one has been an uh, absolute like a great movie. Correct? Birds, birds of Prey. Birds of Prey. Ah. Nah. <laughs> right? That's rated R, right? Is it? <laughs> I'm actually not sure. <laughs> I, I think it is. Uh Rick, I, don't, I thought it was Ricky PG-13. Flex, that was, the original I'm Suicide gonna, Squad was in 2016. Rated R. Oh, it is rated R. You're right. It's rated R. Wow. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. So I uh, listen. I'm on fire I, I can't. Right I can't have another disappointment. I, I. That's all I'm saying. I don't like this. Hope is very scary for me 
because I do not want to be disappointed by another Suicide Squad movie, and here they are getting my hopes up again. Yeah, I think for me personally, rated R, like the 2016 Suicide Squad, like I think I mentioned earlier, was a PG-13. But this is what we want to see. These villains, Harley Quinn, we want, we want to see them in an R rating. We know Birds of Prey didn't do well, especially, in my opinion, the worst DC movie I've seen. But uh, the DCEU movie I've seen. But this is what we want to see. We want to let these characters talk, speak for themselves, quite literally. And just the creativity, let James Gunn run with it, not, have no limits uh, to it but like with a rating or anything like that an r rating allows for more creativity and less boundaries i agree the 100 percent ricky flex the no restrictions for a james gunn movie using obscure comic book characters tell me if you've heard that before right guardians of the galaxy only that was a pg-13 rating imagine what that movie would have looked like if it had an r rating james gunn is going to go all out for this movie he's already said that this is the most fun he's ever had working on a movie that's kind of a shot at marvel too but i'm psyched for this movie i think this is this is what will get the dceu back on track i know we've said this a zillion times for the past five movies for the dceu but i think james gunn just has that magic touch Something that he he has that Marvel experience, he has that taste of success with the with the the comic book movie world that he is going to bring to the you DCEU. Know, he knows the formula of success in comic book movies. Exactly, exactly. No, I'm all in on James Gunn, friend of the pod, friend of the pod, friend of the pod. Yeah, he does. He likes our tweets. That's true. He does. That's yeah, true. we gotta get him on. Maybe DM him or something. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating. Uh. To wrap up the checkup today, we have some Into the Spider-Verse news. So the Into the Spider-Verse sequel teased its first images of Spider-Man 2099. 2099 was previewed at the end of the first highly successful film and was voiced by Oscar Isaac. The sequel is due out October 7th, 2022. What do you hope to see in this Spider-Verse 2, Ricky Flex? Yeah, I think there wasn't much that came out except the suit, and the suit looks sick. It's kind of got, it has the Punisher vibes. I know you can get the suit in the PS4 game, the latest Spider-Man game. Um, but yeah, like Oscar Isaac is not officially like going to be the Spider-Man. I know, I know you just mentioned that, but if he is, then right. he'll be on the biggest heater of, of like that we've seen. Dune, uh, <laughs> the Adams Family movie, movie coming out. That sequel, our, our Golden Boy, um, <laughs> Moon Knight. <Biggest> eater. <laughs> yeah, the Metal Metal Gear Solid. Like he'll just be on a tear after finishing up Rise of Skywalker in 2019, uh, or coming out mm-hmm. with uh, with that as well. So, just if that is once that's official, then I'll be all the way back. But before the, before that, I just don't think there's much to add here. Yeah, let me awesome. let me just say this: the first the first Into the Spider Verse was incredibly done. The art was was amazing. You know, the the actual animation was great. The humor was there. The storytelling, the soundtrack, a very very complete all around great movie. So I don't know if I should expect that out of this movie, but I'm definitely hoping for. It. I really want a continuation of the quality of movie that I saw in the original. Yeah, and just. A question for Dr. O here is that because Spider-Man 2099, it's more of a futuristic, uh, futuristic Spider-Man universe or. Uh, yes. Yeah. So have they mentioned anything on that front? Like any 
Yeah, have they mentioned anything on that? Front? Well, we know just from the first movie, there's gonna be a time traveling aspect because in, even course, in the image, yeah. you can see like the watch he's using is a time traveling device. So, yes. uh, I, I know. I, so I think okay. the history of the character, I'm not a genius about it. Uh, I've done a little bit of prior research. He copies like the genetic code of Spider-Man, or I believe something of that nature. So he doesn't mm-hmm. have the same at origin as the other Spider, as let's say a Miles Morales or a Peter Parker. So if they, I, I think I love how they save this character for the sequel because I think this is a juicy character. His suit looks sick. And I think it it'd does. be really appealing, like to see on screen. So, like, uh, I, I'm just excited that we get to see him in action. Hopefully, we get our golden boy Oscar Isaac back in there. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I know is that it's futuristic and it's like kind of a dystopian society with like mega corporations. That like Batman like, Beyond, but Spider Man. Yeah. Okay. And it does get that vibe with that suit too. Mm. Yeah, it does. Both both six suits. Yeah, six but, suits. But uh we got we got we got a while to wait, man. October seventh, twenty twenty two. That does it, boys, for our checkup this week. Nice and short. I'm gonna throw it back to Nez for our review of Pixar's Soul. Thank you very much, Doctor O. Thanks for checking us up as usual. Um and yeah, now it's time for our review of Pixar's latest movie, Soul. Uh, currently 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's about uh, a man named Joe. He's a middle school band teacher whose life hasn't quite gone the way he expected. His true passion is jazz, and he's very good at it. Uh, when he travels to, But when he travels to another realm to help someone find their passion, he soon discovers what it means to have a soul. So that's a very, very broad um, description or synopsis of the movie. But essentially, it's about a uh, a man who gets the shot of a lifetime as a jazz pianist. Um, you know, somebody who's been dreaming of being a jazz pianist uh, for a long time. Uh, and then he falls into a sinkhole within the first 10 minutes of the movie and uh, passes away. Uh, he's on his way to the great beyond before he somehow figures out or in a desperate attempt to get back to Earth and get back to that uh, to that moment um, basically falls into the great before where he's with all of these little souls that uh, are waiting to be put onto earth. And basically they need to find their purpose before they do. Uh, he gets matched up with a soul named number 22, who has been there for thousands of years and have, has had many, many iconic uh, mentors uh, and he gets placed as that person's mentor and is in charge of giving that person a purpose. Um, at that same time, you know, so that person is looking for a purpose, uh, and, uh, yeah, and he's trying to get back and, to earth and, and Joe is trying to get back to earth at the same time because he wants to go. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. That's a great synopsis. Yeah. Try explaining earth. that to a five-year-old. Like this is like Pixar's yeah. soul, right? It's, it's been so, through like kids. So like, yeah, my first, my first <laughs> question was going to be, how is this Pixar movie? Uh, how does it separate itself from previous Pixar, Pixar entries <laughs> you just indirectly said it so hard right there yeah. <laughs> this movie was this like this movie like when i was like just trying to figure out what is the theme of this movie and i think it's a pretty clear theme it's like you're trying to uh don't get so caught up on that purpose that you think that you have in life rather enjoy the journey right enjoy don't focus so much on the destination focus on the journey mm-hmm. and i think the message for this movie is more for like a 45 year old man going through a midlife crisis than a five-year-old sucking on a lollipop 
So it's 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 kind of fascinating that you see Pixar, who's obviously they are Disney and they are they make animated movies for kids. But at the same time, is this movie for a kid? Mm-hmm. And I think it's okay that it's not. And I think there are other people that will say that's an issue because it's Pixar. Like I'm more in the business of I want to see a good movie with a connecting theme to whoever it is, as long as it's quality. And mm-hmm. so I think in that aspect, they actually nailed it. Uh, Flex, what do you think? Yeah, this is not a kids movie. I like kids can watch it. Like I've heard like people that have kids or have nieces and nephews, they say that their kids like like the movie and they do want to see it again, not just once. But to understand this movie, you, you it's not for a kid. And especially with Joe, it is a midlife crisis. I'm thinking if you had to compare it to a, a Pixar character, it's kind of like Woody in Toy Story 4 a little bit. He's kind of going through a midlife crisis in that movie. So that's kind of what I was thinking during the movie, like trying to compare it to another Pixar character. But just to go off, go on from that, besides not a kid's movie, another aspect of it that I did like was the actual animation. Like New York City just looked amazing in this movie and so realistic. Mm-hmm. The I think what makes it different than other Pixar, the other Pixar movies, going back to the original question, is that is that it just looks actually real i know the person i was watching with literally said like asked me if the sidewalks of new york city if those are actually the sidewalks in new york city i thought it was phenomenal the way they portray new york they didn't try to make it better than what it is or lesser what it is they just portray new york like it is i thought in my eyes at least of what i view new york as so Mm -hmm. i thought that was tremendous and better than any other prior uh, pixar movie they actually had the uh, characters, the actual humans look like humans to the best of their ability so far. That looked phenomenal. Like you compare this to inside out. I thought this blows those humans out of the water with that animation here. Blows them out of the water. Blows those humans humans. out of the water. (laughs) (laughs) But Um, what did you say? It's better here. This animation's better. Inside out, just pathetic humans in that movie. But okay. All right. That's, that's like my favorite Pixar movie. So you better cut it out right now. (laughs) Ooh. <laughs> no offense. Sorry. It's a great movie. That's that's top tier. Naz, oh, yeah. Naz, you're a big New York City guy. What do you think about the animation here? Uh I loved it. I loved um I love the animation. I love the story. I love the the character uh and how it surrounds a a guy that's trying to make it in the New York City jazz scene, uh which is a huge 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 thing. Uh, there's so many really cool jazz clubs in New York City, uh, and I think it's awesome. I lo- I love this movie, guys. I loved it. Um, maybe it was meant for us. I mean, when you think about it, when Pixar first really got its start, it could like, these guys could have been like thirty something years old, and then you know, fast forward another thirty, uh, twenty, thirty years later, they're probably older. They they're, they they want to make movies for adults now. Maybe I don't know. It's definitely not a kids movie. I'll say that or. It's definitely more geared toward adults than it is kids. I can I can see how a kid might find it entertaining, um, but I loved this movie. This movie like made me tear up at the end. Like it was like very beautiful. Gotcha. The entire message, oh yeah, the entire message of this was was beautiful. It had its funny moments. It had its sad moments. It had its moments that really make you think introspectively and like you know ponder how you are personally living your own life. Um, I, I thought it was an amazing movie, uh, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed it from, from the animation to, to the humor, to the story itself and the message. Um, big fan of this movie considered as a huge fan of soul. <laughs> considered. 
And then, like, just how this movie was appealing for kids, though, I thought the animation did a great job in that aspect. Like, the way the souls look themselves, bopping around in their light blue, yeah. and they're looking all fuzzy and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, that made it so appealing to the kids. And then, You're like, right. I thought the animation of the characters in The Great Before, I know Flix and I were talking about, we saw the first trailer for Soul. We, were, we saw, like, uh, those, the, the Jerry's, they call them in The Great Before, these people that are, like, the teachers of the souls that need to find their spark right so they look like they didn't even leave the cutting room floor of a pixar studio they look like they were incomplete drawings but as i watched the movie like i was thinking about it like it actually worked so well like the way they looked incomplete because they're not human beings right they they look like they were drawn like with a pencil really quickly on on a on a board yeah they're not yeah, and that's not what they are. They're in, they're not a complete human being. They are these people that are guiding souls. And it's just, to me, it's just show like creativity coming from Pixar. Like, mm-hmm. I would never think of drawing a person like that. Like, the mm-hmm. way I, like, it's just like how their minds work. I just want to, like, investigate one of these Pixar brains mm-hmm. and how they decided to draw a mentor for a soul like that. And mm-hmm. the way that they move and the way they aren't be able, able to, like, basically, they aren't tangible. It's, yeah. To me, it was just fascinating to watch. Flex, you gave me a little confused look there. What do you think? I, I personally didn't find them visually appealing. I, I, I was annoyed you, with you them. You stuck to your first take. Yeah, I'm sticking with it. I didn't find them visually appealing. I don't think it hinders the movie, really, because I thought they were kind of electric. I thought they were awesome. Like, they were the funniest Terry, parts. Obvi- Terry obviously kind of stole the show. The guy, the counter of the souls oh yeah that guy i hate that guy that that guy's the guy oh. that like that's that guy's the work snitch that guy's the the one oh, that yeah. like tells your boss on you when you come back from your lunch break a little bit too late that's who that guy is. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's like the auditor oh yeah it gives him employee of the month awards yeah he's yeah the external exactly. auditor you hate they, they gave him the trophy because he asked yeah. for it. And then the guy's like, he no, we'll take himself. that back. That, he is the Dwight Schrute. He is the Dwight Schrute of that, like, like whole whatever. I don't even oh, know 100%. what it is. Yeah, 100%. Another, another thing this that I wanted, the- that I do want to say that's really, really cool about this movie that I love uh, is, is I, I don't know, for I guess for lack of a better word, maybe the inclusivity or maybe the, the universality of it is the fact that they talk about something which is so interesting. Where do we go when we die or where are we? Like what, is, what happens with our souls? And it's something that kind of transcends multiple spiritualities and religions. And like no matter what religion you came from or spiritual, spirituality you, you come from, you can kind of – follow along and relate to this because it's not like they're not like coming at you with any sort of um belief system it's just it's basically a movie with a narrative that's very easily explained uh and i think it's applied very well and it, it's just like it's very 2020 safe you know they're not shoving yeah. any 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 Agreed. opinion or cancer culture proof ex- exactly it, it cancel culture proof so I, I really, really appreciated that and how this movie and the way it approaches mortality uh, transcends multiple spiritualities and religions. I thought that was very well done on Pixar's part. Yeah, the goat, man, the goat. Um, I also wanted to talk about uh, what do you guys think of the performances here, like voice performances? I thought personally talking about the Jerry's and like those characters in the great before, I thought Graham Norton was an electric factory in this movie. I think we were just talking about him taking away the trophy from Terry. Um, he, I think, like he is the, the British talk show host that should be getting acting parts, yeah, not sure. James Corden. With Graham Norton, it's an electric factory that needs to be utilized more. 
Yeah, and Rachel House is really good. Rachel House was uh, Terry. Yeah, Terry was good. I couldn't. Yeah, yeah, she was really good too. Also, a big time scene stealer. Oh, I thought the most. I think the biggest scenes in my eyes were when she goes down to Earth, and yeah, I don't 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 want to spoil spoilers yet, but yeah. So I, I know we're not doing spoilers, but when she goes down to earth, that's like, I think the funniest scene in the movie by far. And like that, that's one where you rewound to watch again. That's how funny that was. And then also when our, every time our dad literally did it, our dad literally <laughs> rewinded it to watch it. That's how he knows that. But then also the part when uh, she, Terry would go up to Joe in the great before and say all right it's time to go to the great beyond and open up the great beyond <laughs> the but, daunting sound of yes thong. exactly <laughs> those two me up every time it happened <laughs> all right time to go back <laughs> <laughs> so good oh my god i know th- those are my favorite scenes of the movie <laughs> that like made such that like even those moments made it like made it an like lighthearted for a kid to watch yeah, yeah. no but it's like for a you kid, understood if it. you're watching you're like oh he's going to die like yeah, he's going yeah, to like that, the great beyond, but they're, they're making it funny. Like, and they're making right. it approachable for a kid. So even like Pixar with a more mature, more mature theme, they're still making it for like uh, making it entertaining for a kid. Right. It's, it's like star Wars when Darth Vader's walking by and it goes, it's like that daunting exactly. sound that you can understand no matter what, like if even if it's your first time watching star Wars. Okay. That's the bad guy. Exactly. But also another voice character I wanted to mention, I personally thought Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey, I honestly didn't think that I was indifferent to them. I didn't think they were good or bad. I just thought they did the part. I thought, honestly, they underutilized Jamie Foxx to an extreme extent because he's so much more creative than they gave him credit for. As like he didn't sing in this movie, as an example, the guy that played Ray Charles and won an Oscar for playing. How Ray could Charles. they not give him a Disney like, original song? And like that goes. How like, could they not give him one? And it just Maybe makes but, but Pixar Pixar is like a little different from like Disney animated studios in that w- regard because Disney animated studios they have more of like the Disney original songs Pixar they usually have someone come aboard to do it but at the I same think, time you yeah you, you're right you got to utilize Jamie Fox I think also it goes to the point where Disney like they're kind of like the cash cow they're like all in for the money really Pixar is more about the art like they only have 23 yeah. movies and they just want to focus on making the actual movie not fan service. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of played a part in it, but I really want to stress on 22 as well, that Tina Fey, like I thought like the scenes with like, no, I'm sorry, Nez, but about the Knicks, I know that's all over social media. Oh, so. that was really funny. <laughs> that was cold. I've been that messing with this team for years. <laughs> I meant but, to bring that up. Damn but it. like all those scenes, like with the Abe Lincoln's and those mentors with 22, those were the scenes where 22, like you really laughed at and enjoyed, but everything else, like she was just the same throughout like, Oh, this is how you walk. Oh, this is how you eat. I don't know. I just wasn't compelled. Or, Oblivious I, to the world. Yeah, I just eh, indifferent to her. Yeah, like I, I thought I thought they were both fine. Like they definitely didn't take anything away from the movie, but they definitely didn't add a ton, you know? So I think it was more we're, we're relying on the story. We're relying on the animation, how it looks. So I honestly, they that didn't matter to me as much in that regard what i will say about this movie and the detractor i had i kind of felt differently than nez it didn't grab at my heartstrings the way other pixar movies did that's why i don't put it necessarily in that upper echelon next to wally up and like all these other movies like it like it it was definitely an impactful um theme 
but I, it, it, it didn't have me on the verge of tears. It did, uh, and that's kind of what Pixar is now synonymous with. They're looking for that moment where like, oh my God, I'm going to cry now. Like that's like, that's just, it's, it's disappointing. That's like, like you, it's almost like how you're grading a Pixar movie. You're like waiting for that moment. When is this happening? But I'm not taking, it's still a fantastic movie. I, mm-hmm. I'm just not ready to put it up in that same, that, that top echelon, you know? Mm. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. Sorry, I, I had that moment. I, I don't want to I don't want to give spoilers, but that moment when he is kind of coming to that certain realization um, mm-hmm. that that that's when I was like starting to like be like, wow, because it's like something that I think that as, uh, you know, a 25 year old man, I'm I can kind of like it kind of resonates with me. It's like, oh, wow. OK, you know, um, and I, I don't want to say exactly what it is. Uh, I don't want to give away the theme of the movie or the the whole point in, in case you guys haven't seen it. Um, but I will say that it resonated with me and it made me a little emotional. I was like, wow, that, that really, that really hits. Um, and for me, that's usually kind of a dead giveaway on whether or not I love a movie or not. Right. That's why mm-hmm. I was one of my favorite uh, Pixar movies because of its ability to really tug at your heartstrings and make you feel something. Um, but uh, so this movie, it, it did do that for me, and 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 I definitely appreciated it for for doing that. I just I think it's kind of tough to compare this movie to previous Pixar movies, as you always go back to the previous Pixar movies to compare like those endings and those emotional knockout blows. If you just look back to earlier in the year with Onward, I think that was the perfect ending, even though it was like the saddest Pixar ending of all time. Probably that was probably like the best one. That or Toy Story three. Those were like, mm-hmm. I think they just, those endings really encapsulated the actual film or series in Toy Story 3's case, the trilogy. So I think this one, actually, the ending could have been a little different, but I think I'm an outlier in that situation. It is a mature, I, I, know, I, I know what you're saying too, and I, I agree yeah. with you. If they wanted to make it, a, if they really didn't want to make it a kid's movie, they could have ended this differently. Yeah, and I think, and the, no spoilers, but I think that would have made it for a better, more complete movie as well. Yeah, I, I completely agree. No, I don't, I I don't, I mean, I I think I disagree. I like, I like the way that the movie kind of, that the way it ended. Right. And I think the message, and just to go back to your point is that the message was perfect. I thought like that did get me as I think, as I'm, I'm also an adult and just having that midlife crisis, I'm not there, but I understand it very well. And someone that's trying to figure out their career path. I think that's as an adult, that and the, trying to determine what is successful and just to live, make sure you live in the moment. That's kind of tough when you're a kid, you're always living in the moment. It seems like not when you're an adult, mm-hmm. you're always stressed out on something, stressed up on something. So I think mm-hmm. that gets any adult that watches this movie. And if that doesn't get to you yeah. while you watch this movie, I think that's a concern for that person's well being, not necessarily yeah. the movie. Yep. Embrace the journey. Don't get locked in on the destination. Bam. Hit the nail right on the head. All right. Anybody? Any? Any? Oh, let's go around scores. Scores. Uh, I gave it ninety-one. Ninety-one out of a hundred. I get. I gave it an eighty-eight. I also think I didn't mention this earlier. I think it was a little disorganized with the rules. A lot of rule bending in this movie as well, and a couple of hmm. disorganizations. Wonder Woman nineteen eighty-four. Not to that extent. <laughs> Definitely not to that extent. I'm going ninety-six. Love this movie. Wow. Uh, had the humor. Humor was there. The art was there in terms of animation. Um, the Definitely. music was there. I love jazz music. And, um, you know, did, it made did, me feel something. Do you think so, they did enough jazz music for you? I didn't think they do enough, did enough. 
I, I loved the scenes when he was playing the piano. Yeah, Those were yeah, one I did of too. my favorite yeah, scenes. When he gets great. lost in between that the great before and like mm-hmm. the great beyond that you know that part. Yeah. Like when he was going off and like the, in the zone. Just, like, they even like showed his hands moving. Oh my and, god. Like, wait, that, wait, that we didn't talk about those the 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 hippies in the great before that are like helping lost souls. That was sick. Electric. Too. Oh my right. god. The the mm-hmm. see that this is why this is why it's not a kid's movie because when they're like Oh, we got another hedge fund manager, and it's like this <laughs> yeah. guy that's like stressed out. Like yeah. kids don't know what a hedge fund manager is. But <laughs> when I saw that, I was dying. I was like, "Oh my god, that's hilarious!" That and then the, and then the hedge fund manager right. flips the freaking things and starts just like like destroying the hedge fund. That was hilarious. It reminded me of um, Ready Player One when the guy jumps out the window. Oh god, <laughs> at his job. Ready from, Player from, One. We talk about that movie nonstop now. Yeah, we need to stop talking about it. We're All getting right, way so too much. 90, uh, so, so eighty-eight from Flicks, uh, ninety-one from Doctor O, yep, and ninety-six from uh, from Nez. Uh, that concludes our review of Pixar's movie Soul. Uh, I'm going to send it over to Ricky Flicks for top billing. Thank you, Nez. All right, now we have the biggest top billing we have ever done. Today's top billing is inspired by Soul and its Pixar characters. This will be a snake draft where each of us have five picks, and you can pick any character that has appeared in any Pixar movie, so out of the 23 movies. Once a character is picked, it is off the board. No repeats allowed. There's also no doubling on a movie, so you cannot draft two characters in your top billing that are in the same movie. So, for example, if I picked a character from The Good Dinosaur with my first pick, then I can't pick another character from the good dinosaur of my other four picks. Okay. And before I throw it back over to Nez, we have determined the draft order beforehand. First time we've ever done that. I, myself, Ricky Flicks, will have the first pick. Nez has the second pick. Dr. Rowe has the third pick. And our special guest has the fourth pick. And that's where I'll switch it over to Nez. All right. Introducing our special guest. It is my pleasure to introduce the host of the Magellan Award-winning podcast, This Job Sucks, my brother, Dan. But you guys can call him Mayo. Snaps all around. Oh, my gosh. It's such an honor to be here. Uh, let me tell you, I have listened to every episode of The Drive-In. I'm commenting on all of the social media. Love it. So we thank you, guys. That. Thanks for thanks for uh, letting me join you. Um, you know, I've... Like I said, I've listened to a lot of the show, but there's a couple of things. Like I have a couple bones that I need to pick real quick before we get started, if you don't mind. Just here we go. Here. I know it's not scripted, but I have to interject myself in here real quick. Um, <clears throat> first of all, Nicholas. I'm sorry. Nez. Nez. <laughs> <laughs> have you airport? ever seen Men in Black? It's a de-neuralizer. A de-neuralizer. A neuralizer? What the hell's a neuralizer, Nick? Nez, whatever your name is. Yeah. No one else picked also it up. on us for not correcting him. Yeah, oh didn't my. pick up oh, on yeah. it. I, oh, oh, I'm not. Oh, that, thank you, Dr. O, for chiming in because I did have something to say. Uh, the Phantom oh. of the Menace. You know, no, that was me. Oh, that was oh, that no, was me. Excuse me. I apologize. <laughs> that was, that yeah, that, that's apologize. on me. That was on me. But as a history teacher, you should know what happened a long time ago in a galaxy far away. So I, I put it on you as well. Okay. <laughs> and finally, okay, if you're going Ryan Gosling, and Jake Gyllenhaal, okay? Only one of them was an absolute liability at cornerback, okay? <laughs> okay? That almost cost the Titans the season, 
All right, so that's it. That's a great point. It's a great point. I had to play devil's advocate. They were just teaming up on me with Jake Gyllenhaal. Come on, you got to give the goss god something. He's a perfect human. What do you want from me? You know, that's just what it is. That's what it is. So, all right. Well, thank uh, you for getting that off your chest. We really appreciate uh, all of your electric opening. (laughs) <laughs> let's see what you let's see what you got let's see if you can bring it for uh for top billing here so so flicks who's who's going first overall again so the order goes me ricky flicks then it goes nez dr o then mayo and it's a snake draft so mayo will get two picks and snake back around but i will get things started mm-hmm. with the first pick of the pixar characters movies draft i will go with buzz lightyear now, Chalk. There, Chalk. this is a debate, I know, but Buzz Lightyear, I think, symbolizes Pixar more than any other character. I know that is up for debate as well, but co-founder of Pixar, Ed Catmull, in his, in his autobiography, uh, Creativity, Inc., who does he have on the cover of his book? Buzz Lightyear. Not any other character. I don't want to say any other characters and take away picks but it's Buzz Lightyear. He's the most iconic Pixar character in the best Pixar movie and series. Buzz Lightyear, number one pick. I wish that I had the level of ignorance that Buzz Lightyear had. He has like just absolute, at least in the first one, just absolute blind confidence where he just like, he's just like, no, I'm here for one thing, to save the world from the Martians. And that's the type of confidence that I... Evil Epper Zerg, please. Oh, sorry. No teasing picks. Um, oh, true, 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 true. By the way, I mean, just to, for the first round pick, that's that's going to be the number one overall pick. Are you kidding me? Boy, I thought that quote, was chalk. To, to quote your boy, Buzz Lightyear, there seems to be no sign of intelligent life anywhere. <laughs> Are you joking? Buzz Lightyear, not your number one? That is that is preposterous. Ooh. Ooh. Anybody that did not have Buzz Lightyear as their number one on their big board should just hop off the podcast. All right? Mayo throwing haymakers he, he early. Was number one I love on, it. He was number one. He was number one. He's the most iconic character, and he's the most electric as well. I'll try. Even in Toy Story 3, when he was Spanish, he was the best character. When he was Spanish, Buzz Lightyear. Low-key, that was the best Buzz Lightyear scene. Anything other than Toy Story 1 is when you had him speaking Spanish, (laughs) dancing around with Jesse. That's an electric moment. Falling with style. That's my my favorite scene. He first falls with style. All All right, goes to Nez, number two. Uh, All right, your, my, your the second, second overall pick here. Uh, this one is somebody that I hold near and dear to my heart, and that is Frozone from The Incredibles. Th- he actually was my senior quote in high school. I wanted to leave a lasting mark uh, with something inspirational. So my senior quote in my yearbook says, Honey, where is my super suit? And that's how I left high school. That's how I left it, and I guess that just shows you uh, just about how – Seriously, I took high school. Frozone, my first pick of the Pixar character draft. Definitely on my big board. You had to have Frozone on there. Arguably the best supporting character in a Pixar movie. Big time. God is God is deserved due also in Incredibles 2, which was sort of a letdown. Mm. He can never find a super suit. That's a big problem. He's gotta, he's gotta get organized. Yeah, but it's about the character. He's the man. Also, sick apartment. He does have a sick apartment. Very you know, nice. the Incredibles, they live in, like, this, like, modest home, and, like, Frozone's living in, like, the sickest apartment in the city with, like, the glass windows. Yeah, like, what does he do for a living? Like, insane. I don't know. Glass sculptor. Samuel Jackson. <laughs> All right. Now, Dr. O, your first pick. 
I need a clarification, Ricky Flex. So if you took Buzz Lightyear, can you take a character that didn't appear in Toy Story 1? Could you pick like a Toy Story 3 character or Toy Story 4? So clearly in the other three Toy Story movies, there are other characters that arrive in the franchise. And I, in my interpretation of it is that you don't pick any of those out of the series. But we can if you guys want. It's up to, up to discussion. I, I planned on, like, my, my thought process going in when I was making my big board is that you can't cross over to Toy Story twice. You can't cross over. Right, that's what I was saying. Not in that okay. series. Okay, I'm, I'm totally cool with that, and I needed that clarification when I make My own, Nez? You cool with that? I'm in for that. I'm cool with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. All right. Now, Dr. O, your first pick. Very strategic draft. Number three spot. I think I'm going to get my second round pick at this point easily. I'm going to go my first rounder, Wally. Wally is my first round pick, arguably the best Pixar movie. Um, and I think in that movie, Wally is just, he obviously dominates the screen. And he, and he's also just like the cutest robot of all time. Uh, one of the most heart wrenching moments or heart like grabbing moment is when he finally holds Eve's hand. I had to go Wally definitely worthy of a first round pick. If you think differently, I'm you're flat out wrong. Okay. Um, I love Wally. Love that he wants to save the, you know, he's a very green guy. Um, cutest robot of all time. I would just like to refer to my brother's sweatshirt right there. Star Wars. I mean, Wally, there's plenty Wally, of Wally uh, is right up there with R2-D2. BB-8, R2-D2. Come on, bro. There's cuter, there's cuter robots out there. There's cuter robots out there. I'm just saying. Yeah, you're right. Eve. Oh, Not Rushmore. Don't, no, no slang fix. Oh, my bad. My bad. No one, no one remember that. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. All right. What do you got, Mayo? All right. So, once again, for my inaugural pick, thank you for letting me join you here today. The first pick from Mayo for top billing Dory, Finding Nemo. Ugh. Ugh. Terrible. Such a thank good character. You. I, thank you. Ellen, canceled. Yeah, I, I was going to say, if it was someone Ellen. else voicing the yeah, character, Ellen out of my face. absolutely a first round pick. Okay, okay, but listen, I don't want to hear anything from Buzz Lightyear over here. Uh, Buzz Lightyear, okay, the... yeah, that's, that's you just, are just, just, just get out of you here. You are open up a can away. of worms you cannot okay. you cannot defeat. <laughs> Number two, if it wasn't for Dory, that movie, I mean, what, what is it? It's it's some guy lost trying to some find guy. It, that's all it is. I mean, come on, the, it, Dory makes the movie. Um, I'm, we're not going to go into the sequel. I just stick with the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic. I think that Ellen did a great job. Uh, and you know what? When you're a kid, you don't know who Ellen is. It's just Dory. Okay, yeah. so I, let's let's take it at anymore. face value. I love Dory. Okay, she's energetic, so. but forgetful. She also also forgets everything. That's her character. Why? Yeah. So why is a terrible bad? character then? That's like Here, why here's what it makes say. her so good. Here's what I'll say. Uh, Dory carries the movie on her back. I agree. She was such a good character that they gave her her own title movie. Uh, you know, as the sequel. Very so, true. Uh, I definitely co-sign that. Um, for sure. It was, and she was on my big board. Cosign and, uh, Dory. Remember, do not cosign Ellen. <laughs> exactly. There you, there you go. I'll take that. Now, um, remember, boys, just keep swimming. Okay. Always. And uh, <clears throat> with my first pick in the draft, I pick Dory. No I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Having a Dory <laughs> moment there. <laughs> had a little Dory moment. No, uh, with the second pick, uh, in. Second round pick, I choose Edna E. Mode. 
Uh, Edna obviously is a very strong character. I'm looking at everybody crossing it off their big boards. <laughs> obviously, she is a top tier, god tier character. I think that she has the ability. She has the only fashion sense in the uh, entire Incredibles movie. She creates these awesome costumes, and she's a caring, loving, albeit off-putting character. I, she reminds me of my acting teacher from when I was in college. Shout out Francine Rousseau. Um, Shout out. But uh, Edna Emode, that's that's my pick. You need to get yourself together! I was about to say that. I, I quote this woman nonstop. Uh, I've had female friends of mine that uh, you know going through hard times and I've looked at them square in the face and I said, you are a last girl. Get yourself together! Like just to like kind of cheer them up. Right? Too much she, in the corner of the party. Oh yeah, <laughs> she, she she's iconic. She's an icon. I'll I'll give you that. She was on my big board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a right great below, house too. Right below Frozone, another great house. Yeah, right. They should do a cribs for all the incredible <laughs> <Yes>. characters. <laughs> but with that, Doctor O, your second pick. Dude, I, I think my first two picks are gonna look real nice on this graphic. My my second round pick, I'm going Mike Wazowski from Monsters Inc. Arguably the funniest Pixar character in my opinion. Uh, Billy Crystal, like you can't go wrong with him voicing a character. He's one of the greatest greatest comedians of our time, uh, and he makes one of the most powerful dynamic duos in the history of cinema, baby. I'm going Mike Wazowski second round pick. It's a great pick. Great Mike trainer. Wazowski. Yeah, but he's kind of he's kind of annoying, right? Like he he is like very kind of, one eyeball. Dory, first round pick. No, no, true. No. Taking Dory, Dory before Dory's that. Dory's annoying Ooh. in a annoying in a different way. Mike Wazowski's annoying in like a selfish, like kind of a prick way. Dory's kind even of even when you say when you say his name, the first thing you don't think of is Mike Wazowski. The first thing you think of is Boo saying Mike Wazowski. That's true. You know? So I think of his eyeball. To me, mm-hmm. we got we got we got to cut that eyeball's big picks here. Oh, and also, also okay. like he has no he has no death perception. That's got to be. He a is the greatest short, trainer, very short. Of a heavyweight champion since Mickey. I mean, since Mickey comedy, from Rocky, it's been done. It's been done. He is not only a comedian; <laughs> he's a world class trainer. He's the Freddie. Ro- can't sweep that, that under the rug. Freddie Roach if, of if training I could, if I could be, be as big Absolutely. as Sully, you know. Yeah, that's true. And the Love, it. Love it. All right, Nez, your second pick. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, I think we actually already teased this pick. My next pick, my second pick has got to be Boo from, from Monsters, Inc. It's right up there. I mean, she is extremely cute, extremely likable, very charismatic. She kind of carries that movie. She's the biggest, you know, moving piece of that movie. And um, it's the reason why, like Sully, like, like loving this cute little little girl is is the reason why they had to go through all that they had to go through. I mean, she is the backbone of this movie. She is the the feelings of this movie. She is that part of the Pixar movie that makes you really kind of like, you know, that warms your heart. We said that earlier today that every Pixar movie has that moment or has that character. And Boo is that person in Monsters, Inc. Second round pick. All-time cute character. All-time. Mm. Solid, solid, really. Can't go wrong with that one. Like heart-wrenching moments in Pixar movies, that's up there with number one. Like her saying goodbye to Sully, holy mm-hmm. cannoli. Oh. Cheer cheer jerker. But all right, goes back to me. I get two here on the snake. Let's just keep it with the theme, boys. Sully. I think he's the best character out of Monsters Inc. John Goodman, great great voice actor. But I get the best scarer slash monster athlete of all time on my team. 
I think I'll take that over you two, a trainer and a cute kid. I'll take that on my team. And also, he helped save Monstropolis's energy crisis problem. Him himself, just scaring all these kids. Respect on his name, Sully James P. Sullivan. Right, but Sully has one Achilles heel, and it's Boo. Mm, because he's so loyal and compassionate. He's right. also a great father straight, figure. He's also the straight man to the funnier Mike Wazowski. That's true. But it's so overall better character. Not as funny, though. I'll give you that. You got to give Mike Wazowski his own movie. You also got to give Mike Wazowski a, a shout out for being a very romantic person. Oh, <laughs> that, yeah. guy, that guy has. Gets seen, after it. That guy is, yeah. That's the dude. That's Mike Wazowski's the friend that you hand your text, your phone over, and you're like, what do I say to this girl? And like, he'd be like, oh, I got you. And then he'll be like, hey, Googly Bear. <laughs> he'll sweep the girl off, his, off the feet. Oh, yeah. So does that go back to me? How does this? No, it's, uh, it's still me. It's oh, okay. Oh, so it's still me. Up. Okay, got it. So with my third pick, this is, I might get flack for this, but I'll take it. Remy from Ratatouille. Oh, I'm cooking me up something nice. And Paris, fantastic city. Great companion for a rat, especially. Remy from Ratatouille. The musical coming to I thought, you. Soon. I thought you were about to start singing the. the I thought about the it. Thing you were talking about. I don't want to hurt our audience's ears again, so we'll keep it at that. You know, I, I was really hoping I would be able to make that pick. Uh, Pat and Oswald in my fraternity, so big. Oh big wow, fan of his. Wow. Um, That's a great fun fact. And uh, you know, I actually have a friend of mine who designed the set for that Ratatouille musical that they're Whoa. doing on TikTok. He's the set designer, so shout out wow. to the out there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Chris well getting a part. Solid pick, dude. Solid pick. Well Thank you, Maya. Appreciate it. Really well flexing. connected. Wow. All right. Nez, your third pick. All right. My third pick. I'm a little torn here. I'm not really sure where to go. Uh, but I think that I am going to settle at Bruce the Shark from uh from Finding Nemo. Yeah. Shark bait. Ooh, ha, ha. I, Probably the chillest shark I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't know how the shark like kills people because he's so chill. Everybody knows. Finn. Noggin. Dude. I was doing that in elementary school and middle school and high school and college. And you know what? I still do the Finn Noggin with my friends now. And I'm not ashamed of it. Bruce the Shark, all-time chillest character. Fish are friends, not food. <laughs> Uh, Nick, we're having shrimp tonight, by the way. Oh, amazing. (laughs) 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 All right. Dr. O, your third pick. So I'm sticking in the same vein, but I think Nez Nez actually was crossing quotes with my next pick. It's Crush from Finding Nemo. Dang it. I was hoping to get that later. He has like the size of a cameo, like Frozone in The Incredibles. It's kind of like comparable. I think like he's talking about the chillest dude. I think that's more of what Nez was thinking of. I think he just crisscrosses characters, but I'll happily, I'll snatch up crush any day of the week. Noggin, yeah. boom, crush, third round pick. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, that, oh yeah. It was the, it was the, the turtle. I screwed wow. Up. We have a major screw up. Wow. Literal steal. Trubisky, I, I got Mahomes. Look at that. Oh, no. Look Bruce, at that. Bruce is still a good guy. Bruce is still a good guy. That that was that was a, that was. This is still player. good, still good, it. but Crush is definitely higher on my big board. My number yeah, one from that movie. Sorry, man. Denuralizer. 
then crush. I mean, what are you doing, Nick? You got to do some research before you come into the dojo. It's been a while. It's been a while since I saw that one. Well, fun fact, the director, Andrew Stan, was actually the voice of Crush. Fun fact. All the more reason. All right. So, Dr. O, so Crush, Mayo, your third pick, and you also get the snake, your fourth pick as well. You know those fantasy football drafts when everybody all of a sudden remembers they have to get a quarterback? That's how I felt you guys were at that Monsters, Inc. thing right there. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, you guys all forgot the best character in the entire movie, Uh, on Roz. Okay, mm. so Roz definitely is the backbone of number one, the entire uh, safety and uh, the law enforcement of in the entire monster community. But she's also hilarious. Um, <laughs> you know, you forgot your paperwork with <laughs> I mean, this is she's just fantastic comedic relief. You, we all know a Roz. We've all worked with a Roz. So I'm going Roz. Leader of the Child Detection Agency. Oh, yeah. And she promoted at the end. Yeah. Right? Or she was behind it all along. But terrible reception. Oh, right, 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 right. I, I had a lunch lady in uh, middle school that sounded like a mix between Roz and the lunch lady from Billy Madison. Uh, and it was very scary. <laughs> I made them extra sloppy for you. Exactly. But she was like this. <laughs> Fun fact. All right. Back to you, Mayo. Man, it's, you know, that's the thing about these snake drafts. You wait so long, and then I, right now it's late. A lot of good stuff still out there, and I'm torn. I'm really torn right now. But I'm going to have to go bing bong. Okay. Bing set up. Love bing bong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, yeah. I mean, he's I, very much I, the it, comic it, relief for that movie. You, you, Nick knows, or Nez knows. I don't know if you guys know. I used to do stand up comedy. I love, I love funny things i love to be the funny guy and i think that uh that that bing bong is definitely the funniest part of that entire movie um don't get me wrong the other character i, I actually the funniest character is probably sadness which is really oh, ironic, but... picks. <laughs> picks. Uh, you got to be able to talk about other other characters I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know i i just think that a bing bong that's my pick fourth round boom good pick that is a good pick Get some, var- get some variety with these Pixar movies. I feel like we're just hitting the classics. You know, we got a, even though Inside Out, absolute classic too. But we're just like yes. going back and forth between some iconic movies, more from our childhoods. Also, a Pete Doctor movie, like we reviewed today. Mm-hmm. I feel like all the Pixar directors they just take turns directing movies. That's like what happens. Yeah, yeah. Pete Doctor is obviously like the forefront of all of them. But yeah, was it Stanton, Doctor, and someone else? They just literally rotate. Directors. Brad Bird does The Incredibles. Right. Um, Andrew Stanton, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, that's pretty much it. There's others, but... All right, Dr. O. Okay, for the sake of strategy here, I got a lot of pressure on me. I'm recording in my grandmother's house. She's taking pictures of me as I'm recording this podcast. I got to make sure... Grandma, shout out, Grandma, Doc. Yeah, I got to make sure when we look back at these pictures, it's coming off of a victory of top billing. So I'm going to have to go with Mr. Incredible, right? Outstanding leader. uh, I mean, he's basically stupid. He's ba- yeah. Yeah. Well, at least in the first Incredibles, I would he say. lied to his. So wife. He lied to his wife and his family. So, so did his wife in the second one. No, in the second one, they knew she was uh, going off to fight, and he well, willingly Mr. accepted Incredible, the role. 
Mr. That team is nothing without Mr. Incredible. And that's a agreed, fact. Agreed. Okay. That team is nothing. And he is leading a family of superheroes. How hard do you think that is? You got Jack, Jack exploding left and right dash, basically pranking his teacher every day, having to go in for meetings. And then you, then you expect Mr. Incredible sit at a desk job. He is a phenomenal leader. And that's why I'm picking him with a fourth round pick incredible value at that round too. Yeah, Mel Kuyper would give you a good good draft grade on that one for sure. Um, another thing, uh, definitely a good guy award for Mr. Incredible, uh, showing that old lady how to circumvent the insurance agency and uh, really get the bet the most out of her money. So good guy award for Mr. Incredible. I'll give it to you there. I got to tell you, my board is looking real nice right now. What, like, <laughs> what, like, you're right. Mel Kuyper would be drooling over this draft. <laughs> All right. All right. It, go- Nez. it goes back to me. Yep. You're fourth. All right, my fourth. I got to uh, got to go with Mr. Potato Head, an absolute icon. Interesting. An absolute icon of a character. He's got attitude. He's got sass. Uh, he's got a wife that looks exactly like him. I don't even know what like what, if that's a plus or a minus. It's just kind of weird. Um, but he's uh, he's flexible. He's interchangeable. Uh, he he changes with his environment, and he and he can change uh, you know however he wants. Um, love him. Great guy. Looks like Mike Woodson. That's my fourth pick. <laughs> <laughs> I, Nick, I don't, I, I don't know if you remember when you were a kid, you had a Mr. Potato Head. Mm-hmm. And you would say to me, get ready for Mr. Angry Eyes. So I'm not going to lie. I was ready for that pick from you. Yeah, that's true. I remember saying that. And he used to make me angry a lot. So, Good pick. All right. So it's down to me, my last two picks. Or is it just me? My last two picks here. The board's getting thinner because I took a couple movies that I'm shocked that other main characters from those movies are still on the on the board. So I cannot take those. But my fourth, I'm going to go Lightning McQueen. Lightning McQueen cars. Mm. Just the first cars is all I'll talk about. Great movie. Owen Wilson, fantastic. Great looking car. He's a champion race car. Like... Lightning McQueen, great name, and learns about himself, becomes a better car instead of not better man, better car. Evolution of that character, yeah. <laughs> Lightning McQueen, my fourth pick. Dude, like two of the worst Pixar movies of all time. He's a star of. Still three. a star. That's true. That's true. And Cars is a great movie. The name alone is worthy of being on the board for sure. And he looks like, fantastic. It's like the Adam Gase of of characters right like he played with peyton manning <laughs> don't you dare adam gase he is peyton manning i want to hear the he's tom brady the adam gase reference he is tom brady he was, in, he was in one good movie and then part of two of the worst of all time right <laughs> so so it's Jesus. like you know adam gase to peyton manning good <laughs> adam gase with the jets and dolphins terrible i'm looking at his career as a race car Fantastic. I just career. can't get behind the entire Cars universe. I, I saw a theory online about how there's a Pope car, so that means that there was a Jesus car that was suffered, died under Pontiac Pilot. Like, Pontiac you know what Pilot? I mean? Like, they, they, there's this whole. I just can't get behind that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> weird. Yeah. Well, that's my fourth pick. That is weird. It looks great <laughs> on the graphic. It'll look great. And now it's down to my last pick. Mayo referenced it before. My personal favorite character from Inside Out, Sadness. Sadness, what a character. Phyllis from The Office, love her. She was she was an integral part of that movie. 
And the comic relief, yeah, Bing Bong, he was fantastic, but she was in it throughout the entire movie. True. Sadness. Just Phyllis was too perfect not to be on our any of our lists. She had to be on this board somewhere. Yeah, I will say to compliment uh Bing Bong as as his as the comic relief. You have to, yeah, sadness is is the other source of comic relief in that movie. I mean, all the emotions are right, but uh in that mm-hmm. movie at least. But um, sadness has a lot of really good one-liners, and it's yeah. really funny, especially with how they use her character. Um, I'll, I'll give it to you. I like it. I, I, I like the pick. The scene where she's like talking about the funny movies, like oh, like the dog, di- where the the one where the dog died. <laughs> that one yeah. gets to me to this day. Oh my god! But all right, that rounds out my draft. Nez, your final pick. My final pick comes from Pixar's latest movie, Soul. And wow. that is <laughs> my boy Moonwind helping people out, helping out lost souls, getting completely lost in the sauce. You're wondering, you know, so the main character, right? He gets lost in this. He gets he gets lost and he goes into this, like, I guess the spirit world or the great before from playing piano. What does this guy do? What makes this guy feel like like get like, I don't even know, transcend out of his own soul? It's spinning a, a deal arrow around, and this dude's just vibing to music. This guy's the man. He's helping out lost souls. He helped this this the hedge fund manager, you know, get out of get out of his funk, quit his job, and go back to his family, restart his life. He does it on a daily basis. Moonwind, that guy's the man. Love that guy. A little recency bias, but I think that is the one character I would pick from this movie for this draft. Yeah, for sure. I would take him over the other. Actually, I'm, I don't want to tease picks. No teasing picks. <laughs> Wait, you picked all your picks. Yeah, but there's still Dr. O and Mayo to go. Fair enough. Carry on. Uh, you're safe for me. <laughs> me too. Well, the Jerry's, the counselors, like they're great. If you like yeah, use them as like a group, if you group yeah. them together, I would allow that if that was a pick. That but, was like, if, well, I don't want to tease a pick. Well, shoot, I should pick these guys. Dr. O, I think I know where you're going because it's so obvious. I'm still shocked, but go ahead. I, man, I'm torn. I need a Toy Story character on my board. I need a Toy Story character. I like It's too iconic for a franchise. I think you guys have all dipped in, I believe. No. I have. Well, no, sir. No, sir. I have. I mean, no, I mean, no, no one picked Woody? I know, dude. Has no one picked Woody? Nobody. We're talking about arguably the most iconic character in Pixar history. How, like, I literally wasn't even going to pick him, and I was looking at my list. I was, it's literally at the top of my big board. And He's then, my like, number two. Else, everything else was taken, and the fact, I, I mean, I'm getting Tom Brady in the sixth round right now. Are you kidding me? I'm I can't believe you two Woody. caused this. Tom Hanks in the fifth round. I'm getting Tom Hanks in the fifth round. I thought yeah, put me down, chalk it in. Oh, Nez took Mr. Potato Head over Woody. Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> Woody's a narcissist, massive narcissist. Very oh my god, Woody. Has he is, that claws. is true. Woody he is kind of a jerk. Claws. I can't relate. He tried to kill Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, he like, also the the movie murder. is, hey, Woody messed up. Now he has to fix it. Like <laughs> they he tried to kill him, man. The rest is coming. Like, <laughs> the rest of the toys put him on trial. They said death. Exile. The epic storyline to Toy Story 2. And that whole backdrop to him, to Woody's character, that was phenomenal. That was phenomenal. It's just like it, the fact that I'm getting the fifth round is just enough said. That, it's insane how he dropped to the fifth round. Still not as iconic as Buzz, but I got Buzz with the first pick of the draft. Like, Narcissist. 
just like, they go, they agree. Go he is nice. They, they go hand in hand, like Woody and Buzz. Like it's just incredible. Incredibles. All right, Mayo, round us out, Mister Irrelevant. You guys are forgetting the best character from Toy Story, ladies and gentlemen, Sid Phillips. What? Redemption. You're an animal. Believe over all of the movies ends up being the garbage man in the neighborhood. You know, he really turned his stuff around, respects toys, learned his lesson. I mean, this is the kind of person, this is what we want to teach kids. You got to, you got to learn from your mistakes and grow up. And he became a responsible adult. So I'm going Sid Phillips. Doesn't he, try that and, pick. doesn't he try and burn the toys at the end of Toy Story 3? He's the garbage man. <laughs> could be worse. He could have led all of his friends to get burned by the crazy kid next door. Oh, wait, <laughs> no, right. that's I guess, Woody. I guess, I guess it's going to be. Shots fired. Wow. Shots fired. That is definitely the most controversial pick of the draft. I think that is. Good. And Mr. Irrelevant. I want to see the in his debut. Haymakers. <laughs> Absolutely. But I can't wait to see the play on that. Any. Uh, before we, uh, I list them out, any honorable mentions that people want to mention? We'll start with you, Mayo, since you are a guest. Um, I definitely want to shout out Hector and uh, Mama Imelda from Coco. Great um, movie. Give them some love. Um, I also want to shout out Mr. Shark, only because he's the only one in the entire movie to mock Woody. I'll tell you. <laughs> okay. Jeez. Uh, you two hate Woody. I no, they're just targeting because I know Black. I got the best draft. They're targeting me right now. It's clear. We just hate Tom Brady. You keep on calling him Tom Brady, so we just we'll yeah, that exactly. was a mistake. True. I, I knew once I said that, I put a target on not, my back. It's not good. Yeah. And uh, a- Anton Ego, I think he deserves some love. You know, he has a great monologue. From Ratatouille. Mm-hmm. All right, Nez, any honorable mentions? Oh, yeah, I got a couple honorable mentions. I want to start out with uh, the Abominable Snowman. Great. I uh, had that on my from, board. From uh, Monsters, Inc. He saves Snow codes? He saves <laughs> snow codes? <laughs> who is that actor? Because he sounds so familiar. Who is that? Who does uh, that voice? I don't know. He sounds amazing. It almost reminds me of John Candy, but I know it's not John Candy. Right. Um, yes, it does remind you of it. Right? It, remind, it sounds just like him. Uh, George Sanderson from um, – from Monsters Inc., he's the one that uh, gets the twenty three nineteen. He's got the faux hawk. Twenty three nineteen. Twenty three nineteen. Oh yeah, uh, we got Rex from Toy Story. Slinky from Toy Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, two great characters. Um, Rex just has an iconic voice that just like sticks in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one last one I want to say is uh, Anger from um, from Inside mm-hmm. Out. Louis Black, perfect casting for that character. Yeah. Perfect casting. I almost picked him instead of Moonwind, but I just have an infatuation with Recent Moonwind. Recent He's just a man. Moonwind's the man. He's the coolest hippie I've ever met. Yeah, that was a good Anyways. one. I, I do like that pick. Dr. O, honorable mentions. So, first of all, Abominable Snowman. You know why his voice is so recognizable? It's John Ratzenberger, who's appeared in every single Pixar movie. Right. Oh. Every single Pixar movie. Right? He plays, uh, for those who don't know, he plays Ham in Toy Story. But I... I was a huge fan of Zerg growing up. The fact that I didn't take Zerg, I, that was where I was leaning in the fifth pick. But it's basically just a ripoff of Darth Vader. But I love me some Star Wars, okay? I would shout out uh, Mayo's sweatshirt right there. Um, also, I was going to pick this because I have a prop to go with it. When this movie, when Fighting Nemo came out in 2003, in elementary school, during art class, I actually made this, which I know the listeners can't see. Watch our but YouTube channel, The Drive-In. this, and I brought it as a prop in case I drafted wow. it. It's a it's paper mache of Nemo. So wow. I didn't take him. I had Loves to go Nemo. Woody over Nemo. 
Uh, Do we void his draft? This is just ridiculous how he didn't take him and he made Nemo is kind of like, yeah. So it's just like, he is just a very, I don't know. It's like, like he just pops on screen and just stuck with stuck in my brain. So Mm -hmm. I thought that is definitely a pick on my mind. Rex should not Rex needed to be picked in this draft. The fact that he did not get picked is an abomination. And then uh, Mr. Fredrickson from up. Okay. So I, I I'll go after this because Mr. Fredrickson, not even close to being picked for me personally. I understand if you picked them because I'd rather have Doug or Russell, even Kevin, Kevin's cool, but Doug or Russell. I like um, I Doug. I had Doug. Doug's cool. Great dog. You can actually talk to him. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elastigirl. Helen Parr. I thought that would have been a good one. And my, the one I almost took instead of Lightning McQueen was the lamp. Luxo Jr., the actual lamp in the beginning, every single lamp bouncing on the ball in the middle of the eye. That would been a good pick. I didn't. Oh, wow. I didn't that want it. would have been good. So, like, I wanted it, but I couldn't record at home today. And I was going to do a prop with my lamp, but I don't have a mm. lamp here. So, I feel like I needed to have the prop to, in order to pick it. But, that would have been, been a very good pick, yeah. But, all right, I'll read out our list, and then we'll, I'll throw it back over to you, Nez, to round us out. Ricky Flicks has Buzz Lightyear, Sully, Remy, Lightning McQueen, and Sadness. Nez, Frozone, Boo, Bruce the Shark, Mr. Potato Head, Moonwind. Dr. O, Wally, Mike Wazowski, Crush, Mr. Incredible, Woody. Mayo has Dory, Edna E. Mode, Roz, Bing Bong and Sid. Controversial. Nez? All right. Well, first of all, before we conclude this episode, I just want to thank uh, my brother, Mayo, for uh, joining us on this uh, podcast. Any any last words before uh, we send this home? Uh, just uh, keep listening. Make sure that you uh, give these guys all the support. They work hard for this. And uh, make sure you check out their, their website, you know, like all their stuff and um, – also, if you're a travel agent, please listen to this Job Sucks podcast. We are on Spotify. We are all over. You can follow us at This Job Sucks on Instagram, Twitter, and we also have a Facebook page, This Job Sucks Podcast. Love it. Awesome. Thanks again for joining us. And that will com- conclude thank you, this Maya. week's episode thank you. of the Drive-In Podcast. Uh, we'd like to thank you for listening. Uh, and we'd love to hear your feedback. So make sure you leave us a review and rate us five stars as we will give one of or two listeners a shout out and you know what i actually don't think that we did that this week guys so i think we have one more second where we have to hold here and uh see our latest review um all right so we got user boom bam case in point 10 out of 10 would recommend i wish there were more than five stars best podcast i've listened to in a long time great reviews on movies even better social media presence uh, listen to this podcast boom bam case in point we appreciate your support thank you so much for listening and if what a name us, again we will give you guys a shout out next week just like boom bam case in point so keep reviewing us keep the reviews coming in and we will keep shouting you guys out also do not forget to follow us on all social media platforms we're at, at the drive-in pod on twitter instagram and tiktok the drive-in on facebook and youtube and check out our blog on a daily basis on the driveinpod.com. Thank you for everybody for listening. Thank you very much. And we will 